0: Welcome to the Sourced Week in Review podcast, episode 107 of the Sourced podcast, Jordan McDonald. My name is Michael Crutcher. Welcome.
1: Hello, Michael.
0: Episode 97 of the Week in Review. Yes. So that's what we're looking at this week. And we're going to talk about a few things that we haven't spoken about for a little while, a few different ones to talk about in an otherwise fairly quiet week compared to some previous yeah, weeks. It was
1: a bit of a quiet week. We did have to dig a bit deeper to find some things to talk about, Just, but there's plenty here.
0: Oh, there's heaps there, and Netflix to start off. That's one we haven't spoken about yes. for a while, and there's been some very interesting news in the last 24 hours about Netflix, which is a bit different to some of the news we have spoken about with Netflix in previous so what's happening?
1: Yes, yeah, so Netflix would be very pleased because their recent third quarter results came out and they've added a pretty substantial amount of subscribers, 8.8 million new subscribers. So that brings their paid subscribers base to 247 million in the world. Now, the new subscribers prove that the password cracked down that they've been talking about yes. for a long time. It's converting those free users into the paying customers as they predicted. That's what we were waiting to see, wasn't it? What we were waiting to that? see that, and it seems to be paying off. Now, speaking of paying, there's price increases coming. Okay. So in the US, the premium ad-free Netflix plan is going to go up by $3 to twenty-two ninety-nine 99 a month. This is mm. in US dollars. Uh, their basic plan is also getting a bump to eleven ninety-nine. So the okay. UK and France are seeing the same cha- changes too. For Australians, there's a few changes. So the first is that 1099 plan, that basic ad-free plan, will no longer exist Mm. from next week. And I mentioned this would likely come a few weeks ago. uh, And it's here, sure enough. Um, also from next week, the new users will have the choice between the $6.99 plan which includes ads yes, or you'll pay either $16.99 or $22.99 for standard or premium ad-free viewing. So if you're someone who's currently on that $10.99 plan, the ad-free, Netflix says you're fine for the moment for the right. moment. <laughs> that's the right. key part yes.
0: dot, dot, dot. <laughs> They'll get yeah. you
1: at some point, I'm sure. Of course they will. Um, but Netflix has seen pretty significant ad revenue growth after killing off their basic ad-free plan yep. uh, overseas in the US, UK and Canada, which is why they're doing it here. Yes. So they've had a 70% increase in membership with ads. So the, at, the, at the bottom line for that Q3 report, Netflix raked in $8.5 mm. last quarter, which is enormous and their stock jumped 12% after the news. They're also talking about branching into gaming and sports content to reel in more subscribers. Yes. So I'm not sure they've seen the effects of the writers and actors strike like others have, but um, maybe not in its entirety just yet. There might be a bit of lag, but for now it's been pretty good news week. Yeah, well, there's. I always think that
0: if – Wall Street really likes it. Like you say, a 12% increase in shares. Well, there's probably a fair chance that Punter at Home's not going to like it. Yeah. And that's what we've seen. But there's also some talk about Netflix and its advertising game. Of course, this is not something we spoke about when Netflix didn't do ad. Yeah. But it does add plans now. And the guys in the Unmade newsletter and podcast do a great job. They had some – Information this morning about what Netflix is doing in the ad space.
1: Yes, yeah, so it was US Advertising Week this week and that coincided with South by Southwest, which was held in Sydney. Yes, the Sydney version of the
0: big uh, American conference.
1: Yes, so it wasn't too long ago that we were talking about how Netflix subscriber growth had stalled. Yes, but they've certainly bounced back because their ad-supported tiers, which uh, we've, sp- we've been talking about, it now makes up for 30% of all the new subscribers they get.
0: That's more than I That's thought massive. it
1: would. massive. 30%. That's a lot of people. People
0: will put up with those ads, yeah. They're
1: putting up with it. Um, so... And the, the thing is, Netflix has barely flexed its muscles in this ad space, and it's important to us because Australia is one of the 12 countries being offered these ads, Right, and they're adding more features like high-resolution streams and offline downloads, just trying to make that ad tier a little bit more appealing yep. to try and increase the amount So Netflix is also changing the game for a few of our local free-to-air stations as well. So even Channel 7 had to uh, tip their hat to the might of the streaming platform during their Upfronts presentation, claiming Home and Away's Reach is three times bigger in Australia compared to Apple TV's Ted Lasso. Yep. Great show, by the way, Ted Lasso. (laughs) But um, obviously Netflix is starting to get serious about ads. Uh, 7 will have to step up their game a little bit, I reckon. Yeah, I think you're right and all these different you know I
0: guess pressures that are really hitting traditional media. You know, Netflix comes along and takes a stack of eyeballs. Now it's taking ads as well. I mean, this whole field changes so quickly when you look at the way that what we took for granted changes. And if you look down the track, this is why we do this podcast in many ways. What are audiences going to do next? What mm. will they you know like what won't they like i wouldn't have thought you get to 30 percent of netflix subscribers putting up with ads yeah no i didn't think so either but that's clearly something that they're willing to do so we're learning a lot about this stuff here um and let's see what other streaming services do as we say keep in mind australians love streaming the data that we've used before on this podcast if you have one streaming service in australia you have 3.4 yep so we're a really interesting streaming market and we'll keep an eye on all of that now speaking of traditional media there's plenty of chatter around australia's radio scene at the moment arn media which owns the kiss stations is edging towards a takeover of southern cross media which includes the likes of triple m fox and the two-day fm station so this is a pretty big deal if it goes through and it's already been reported that it, it's a deal that could redefine the local radio market yep. in australia yeah, but yeah. there is a little issue here and that is legislation of course so in australia that legislation prevents any company from owning more than two radio stations in one market now that's an issue in sydney and melbourne if this deal was to go through but of course one of the major points here and uh, we've had stephen green on the podcast before greenie right across all this information it comes down to what would happen under a merged company or would arn's prize breakfast pairing in sydney of kyle and jackie o does that start then the networking of them through the country how does that affect some of our different
1: cities well that's all we're likely to see yeah, so it, it's a gold mine for reaching younger middle-aged men, uh, this, and middle aged men through a sporting rock contest. This, this is, is what? Triple, triple M. Triple M, yeah. M. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a gold mine. But combining this with ARN's existing assets like the Kyle and Jackie, o you mentioned, yep. um, and Kiss FM, it would give them a massive slice of that male and female audience. Um, and the merger is a pretty textbook case I reckon in understanding the market needs and seizing opportunities yep. so ARN is in the final negotiations with the Kyle and Jackie O pairing and they that's a pretty substantial deal too, there's yeah, about that's been, 200 million over 10 yeah, years. Yeah, it's been leaking this week some of that, the God, size of that deal I never thought there was that much money in radio <laughs>
0: It's resilient radio. It is resilient. It is unbelievable. It's it's, yeah. It's always around.
1: So you know these these big moves are all keeping are all about keeping your audience uh, and that attention glued and attracting that big uh, the big money um, through ads, obviously. But the, the deal also pushes the envelope in. Australia's media laws, and it could lead to even more consolidation in our already tight media market. Yeah. So you know, let's not forget the digital side to this. That's right. You now, this merger could really put, well, it really does. It puts the two largest audio companies, iHeartMedia and Listener, under the same yep. umbrella, and that makes them a proper rival to platforms like Spotify. Yeah, that's true. It starts to you know get those digital stations, which have
0: become part of the audience now, part <coughs> part of the fair now if you like so no we'll keep an eye on that one now we've waited until after the referendum on the voice to parliament last week to have a look at the polling companies we might do something a bit bigger on this in the weeks to come but just where the pollsters uh sit uh jordan because it's 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 been a rocky ride road ride i should get that right a rocky ride for some time now (laughs)
1: Yeah, so there was another good piece in Unmade this week. They supplied us with a couple of great bits this week. Um, And it looked at how these pollsters accurately predicted the outcome of the Voice to Parliament referendum. And it's caught our attention, obviously, because it wasn't all that long ago, that that the uh, the pollsters got it spectacularly wrong when um, Scott Morrison was elected Prime Minister in 2019. Um, But the Unmade examination looks at the poll numbers from October last year, up to voting day last yep. weekend. And we know early on there was pretty strong support for the voice of parliament in, in, in the beginning. Um, however, by April this year, that support became to decline. Yes. And then from June, when the Liberal Party announced its opposition, the fall continued. In that first week of June, the polls were 51% no, 49% yes, and that was the yes, first time was. that no had greater support. That's right. Polling from then on out was from then on out was pretty spot on. In uh, October, one of the uh, polls says, YouGov, estimated that its final national voice poll uh, would be fifty six percent no, thirty eight percent yes, and six percent undecided. Yep. And the the national results, as they were this morning, uh, are close enough. There was sixty point eight no and thirty nine point two yes. Yep. And those undeter- undecided voters, you know, always yep. more likely to vote against, That's right? Um, So the polls kept a pretty accurate temperature check on the nation for a whole year, which is a pretty impressive uh, feat for any pollster. Um, The data indicated that Australians who voted no were the most concerned about the cost of living, and we heard about that plenty in the media coverage. Uh, Those who voted yes were typically younger and or university educated and tended to live closer into the city, the metro areas. Um, but the point the, um, that Unmade arrived at was that it came down to mm. campaign effectiveness. Mm. The no campaign tapped into that e- economic concern impacting Australians, that cost of living. Meanwhile, the, the yes campaign campaign seemed to have a pretty glaring weakness, which was the mm. failure to offer a pretty clearly communicated cut-through solution to that existing problem. Mm. Who mm. knows?
0: Your thoughts? Yeah, well, the polling story I've found fascinating for a, a lot of years So in my days as a newspaper editor, we polled every three months Mm. and those polls were really important. We had decades of polling history. So what we were able to do was build up, you know, a really uh, rich database of polling information from Queensland Mm including every three months we'd ask a question about is Queensland heading in the right or wrong direction and gauge the thoughts of the participants on that, which was the basis of what we used to call the Queensland Index. Mm -hmm. So which direction is the state heading in? And you'd see, you know, before changes of government, you'd see the state heading in the wrong direction, change of government go back up again, you know, right. they'd see that. But it was always a really interesting way to do it. Now, polling's not exp- not not cheap, it's expensive, yeah. you know, and the key to polling is to properly weight your sample size. When we say weight, we mean W E A E I G H T weight, as in that. When you weight them properly, you make sure your sample size represents the demographics of Australian voters. So if you poll 800 voters, which we used to do, uh, the, the accepted practice is that gives you a 2 to 3% margin of error, okay, okay. with 800 votes. Yep. But it's no good polling 800 people aged under 30, for instance. Your sample size uh, has to reflect what the voting public True. is on yeah. uh, polling day, so you need younger, older, city, regional, rural. You need all that. Otherwise, your sample group is distorted and your poll's no good. Sure. And that makes it expensive because you've got to go and find the right mix of people. Now, the polling industry was going superbly up until the advent of election betting in Australia, about 20 odd years ago. Mm -hmm. And for a little while, the bookmakers became very, very good at tipping the winner of elections. So there was something like a streak of about, I don't know, 50 something elections in a row, These are elections that Australian bookmakers bet on, so Mm. in Australia and also globally, about 50-something elections where the favourite on election day won the election, with the exception of one, and that was Jeff Kennett's loss in the Victorian election 20-odd years ago. Okay. And so that one was – Kennett was favourite on the day. But he lost the election. So the the bookmakers were seen as really reliable. In fact, I remember covering some elections and when the bookmakers knew three days out mm-hmm. what was going to happen in some particular seats. But polling fell apart in 2016. So the polls tipped that the Brexit vote in the UK would not be carried. Okay, the polls were wrong. Soon after, the polls tipped Hillary Clinton would be the US president. Well, wrong. That didn't happen. We know that. (laughs) That did not happen. And then the polls had Bill Shorten as Australia's certain next PM. But Scott Morrison won that election. And Morrison noted on election night I've always (laughs) believed in miracles. I've always believed in miracles. So. So things had to change for polling because I said polling is really expensive. It, so the, what's the point in spending lots of money on mm. incorrect information? Well, yeah. So things had changed so much because it's uh, so many more apartment buildings came in. It's pretty hard to door knock apartments, like door knock the True. old houses and find out who lived there. True. And people don't have landlines and addresses in you know the the phone book anymore. So after that 2019 federal election, when they got it so badly wrong the pollsters got together to work out how how to save their industry and they had to save their industry. Now they've managed to do that, but they found some really interesting things among all the things they found. One of those was the polls were skewed too far left because they were trying to get people to get engaged in the polls. And one of the things they were doing, there was a good story in the Financial Review a few few weeks ago about this. They were giving out grocery vouchers as a means to encourage people to be survey participants. Right. But they found that sort of people who were, you know, more well-off didn't go for the grocery vouchers, et cetera. So they were getting the wrong sample sizes, basically. So they had to change their models. Yeah and update their methods, and it's starting to work now. So now they're really starting to factor in social media, what role that plays, online surveys very mm. well. And at the last federal election, so last year, four polling organisations were within 1% of the two-party preferred final vote. Wow. So they're starting to get themselves That's back. That's pretty good. As you said, they were close to the money yeah, last were weekend. Very close. So it may look as though that uh, polling has managed to fight back in Australia when it really was uh, in a bit of strife. So um, – Let's keep an eye on what happens because we've got, you know, in Queensland, a local government election next March, a state election in October, and a federal election the year after. So we're going to hit 18 months of plenty of politicians' uh, ads just like we really wanted those in our lives. Yeah, thanks. Joy. Now, one thing I wanted to bring up is looking at some of the sports – Uh, coverage in the US lately it's baseball playoff season Mm. so we're in the midst of baseball playoff season we do have baseball on in the office here at times or at least I do occasionally I do at least Uh, and there's been some really interesting games lately and some <laughs> clips on social media have gone around mm. with no commentary on them. So, yeah, so you were
1: showing me these the other day.
0: Yeah. So there's there was a really interesting end to a game last week, and the crowd went berserk and told the story of what happened. And so social media put out, watch this clip with no commentary, and yeah. it was really
1: engrossing. It was really cool.
0: Yeah, it was great. So, and it wasn't just that; it was the drama of of the actual moment on the, on the field. Mm. Close-ups of uh, the face of the, of the pitcher after he was hit for a home run. And I mean, really close up. His face takes up the whole screen. You can see that anguish in his face, close-ups of the, of the, the, you know, the, the players, the happy players in the dugout. Like it's, it's drama and the US do it really well, which made me sort of go back and think, well, let's have a look at what's happening in Australia at the moment. So we went back to, the NRL grand final of a few weeks ago. <laughs> and haunting memory. Yes, that one. say for Broncos supporters. But the most dramatic moment of that game, okay, was when Nathan Cleary from Penrith scored the winning try to complete a stunning comeback. Yes. You know, probably the, the, the greatest comeback in, in modern, modern NRL grand final history. Now, mm. we went back and studied that. Nathan Cleary scores the try, and breaks the hearts of the Broncos. And from the moment he put the ball down to score the try to the moment the game restarted after his conversion was three minutes. Now, not one time in that three minutes was there. You could you see the Broncos players? You couldn't see them. They did That's not true. show the Broncos That's true. players. They did not show it at all. Now you think about the heartache for the Broncos supporters. You think about the drama of the moment. We did not see one Broncos player. Not. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have no idea why. This was sporting drama at its biggest in Australia. And for whatever reason, instead of seeing – we saw two Bronco supporters twice. We saw two Bronco supporters, yeah, Yeah, twice. The same two Bronco supporters. I mean, there was only, you know, 80,000 people in the crowd. And we saw the family of Nathan Cleary, which is great. We saw the the family there happy. Yeah, I get that. Um, What we had at the same time in those three minutes – was non-stop commentary and shouting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. We didn't let the crowd tell the story. So what we're we're seeing here is that for mine. What we've got now is so much blanket coverage in the US of sport. We're seeing sport done a lot better than we're seeing it done in Australia at the moment. I know well, I'm on a bit of a rant here, but I was going to say I should have warned everyone. <laughs> yeah, it, this is second screen TV now, or with second, we're watching two yes. screens when we're watching sport right now. Yes, the crowd's got such a big role to play. And I know you picked out a moment
1: in the Rugby World Cup that was well, worth it. Yeah, typically I don't pay attention to this too much. <laughs> I'm so conditioned to our Aussie commentators just. Ear blasting us in every moment. Yes. Um, But once you pointed one out to me, that night I was scrolling through TikTok and I saw a clip um, of a crowd singing and it was a commentator. So it was a game in the Rugby World Cup between Ireland and France and Ireland just defeated France 13 to 8. And the crowd was just so loud. The commentator just stopped. He said, Let's have a listen to it. Yeah. And the Cranberries belted out once more in Stade de France. Let's enjoy these moments, let's soak up this noise Wow, that almost makes you want to sing. Pretty epic, yeah. Pretty epic. That crowd is unbelievably loud, and it made such a big impact when the commentators stopped and said, "Soak it in." He really descended your focus on it. And uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty pretty awesome. Yeah,
0: I, th- I think so too. I mean, sports great. We love sport. Let's do it better in Australia. It's not that hard to do it better. <laughs> now, um, Google search trends this week. Uh, we like to go through and see what Australians what are searching have we for got? because that tells us a bit about what audiences like. Like interesting week. The number one this week, mm-hmm. um, and we should not be surprised with this because it's been number one a couple of times. Um, is the rugby? Sorry, the cricket <laughs> World Cup. Uh, India, Bangladesh. Last night, Thursday night. India, Bangladesh, topping the search trends this week with fifty thousand plus. Along with um, some voice to Parliament news on Sunday, both fifty thousand plus. We had a few twenty thousand pluses, which were interesting. Yep. Boxer Tim Zhu, his his uh, his event on Sunday on the Gold Coast. We speak about celebrity deaths. Suzanne Summers. Uh, former actress not particularly well known but again topped the searches on Monday with her death mm. in the US, uh, age in her 70s. Um, Jack Ginevan, AFL player traded. the AFL always seems to do fairly fairly well. and one one we wanted one we wanted to bring up here was the um, news about Sarah Lee, the dessert company going are, into administration. Yes.
1: I read that story. Yeah. yeah, did
0: did fairly good numbers and Google searches, people looking to find out what's happening to Sarah Lee.
1: Yeah, I think they're worried about where am I gonna get my some of my
0: goods from. Yeah, that's <laughs> so what that's it. So don't <laughs> underestimate, you know, the the household goods, the celebrity yeah. deaths. They they always poll really well and of course any cricket world cup match involving India in particular. Oh, yeah. Uh, always does better searches in Australia. These are Australian searches. Yep. does better searches yep. than the Australian matches. Now, what's the weekend like for you?
1: Um, fairly uneventful. I think there's a bit of UFC happening on the oh, Sunday. Right. So uh, friends of ours just moved from a unit to a house. Um, so I think they've... Coaxed us over to help them unpack, oh, but I've, <laughs> I've right. boxed it up with her. I'll come over for the UFC, um, and Shan's a sucker, so she said yes. So I'm going. As, you're going? Yeah, I'm attached. Well, um, enjoy that. Yeah. What about you?
0: Um, yeah, I think uh, I'm heading off to a Devils event. Ah, yeah. So, uh, a good. couple of guest speakers there. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Congratulations to Ipswich today, 300 episodes in their podcasts oh wow 300 big milestone. M- massive effort alan robert congratulations alan. well done that's a, it's a big effort um have a great weekend you too